Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Today, I have on Sarah Kynard. She is the head bird at the Flamingo Project, is a strategic visionary who continues to build her career, shaping marketing strategy for professional service firms. Known as a change agent, she tackles your challenges with strategy and implementation at a scale you can handle. Sarah's curiosity, fail forward, fail fast approach, and desire to have fun in everything she does are the hallmarks for how she does it differently. She is the market research consultant with both Elevate Marketing Advisors and Zwei Group, and also the president of SMPS Dallas. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So before we get into market research, which is why I have you on, demystifying market research to be specific, I'm curious to know how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Well, I graduated from college and just knew I was going to go work at an architecture firm. (laughs) No, of course, that's not the story and it's no one's story in our industry, but hopefully that'll change in the future. So I love design and there was a job opportunity and I applied and it was a great fit. And I learned about this wonderful world that we all work in and was inspired at how a firm, a group of individuals could really shape a city and provide opportunity and really help the trajectory of growth for that city. It was really, really fun. From there, I went to an architecture firm that specialized in education, but historically K-12 and helped start a higher ed practice. So that was a big challenge, a lot of fun. I spent eight years there and definitely grew as I was there. And that also meant I grew in my role, took over marketing for the firm, helped the firm grow beyond just a higher ed practice in Texas, but to national. From there, I moved to an interior architecture firm focused solely on luxury hospitality globally. So every time zone I had teams in and I joked about how on Saturdays, There was about a four hour window that nobody was working. So it was a very fast paced. I was all over the world doing research strategy, capturing new markets, all of that. It was very exciting. And I just never slept. (laughs) So from there, I started the Flamingo Project because I love helping firms tackle those challenges. Where do we want to grow? What do we want to do? How do we want to do it better? And realized that I could do that for lots of firms and not just one. Perfect. So could you break down what market research is and what it means to you? I know market research is important, but I personally have no idea what it consists of. Yeah, it really is a topic that a lot of people just immediately go, this is too big. It's too much. I'm moving on. So I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question. Market research can mean a lot of things and it can touch a lot of areas of business. So I, I really like to try and simplify what we're talking about 
market research is a series of questions aimed to getting an answer for a specific part of the business. It could be operations. It could be your company strategy. It could be about a pursuit. So market research, when you think about it, is simply going to find the background to get you to an answer. And that answer should create action. I like to say that because it shouldn't just be, okay, here's the answer, we move on. Usually when you are talking about market research, it's something a little bit bigger than picking up the phone and asking one person a question. You'd probably be asking 10 people a question if you were doing primary research like that. And so what was the point of us getting that answer? Is it for us to make a decision about opening an office? Is it about us making a decision about picking a partner for a pursuit? What is the answer going to drive us to do? Is it going to make us no go something, go something? So those are actions, right? So whether it's an action to move forward or an action to decide we're not moving forward. And ultimately, when you're crafting that question, it's really getting people to buy in to why we're asking the question. I think frequently we are put in marketing in positions where somebody says, hey, can you go figure out, you know, who could be our best partner? And you do a lot of research, you ask people questions and all that, and it's all done in the background. But if we haven't brought them into the process, when we come with an answer, they go, that's fine, but my friend works over at this firm. (laughs) So we're going to go with them. And so when you bring people into what is the question we're trying to answer, it's defendable. And that's just one example. That's not a big strategy example that I gave you because I don't want this to always be based in only firm growth and strategic planning and market research is used in a lot of ways throughout our world of marketing. Right. Okay. So what are some common sources of market research that most companies are already doing that might just be hidden in plain sight? We don't know that they're actually market research. So most firms, I would say that their current research that they're doing is really more around pursuit strategy and project delivery. What do I mean by that? I mentioned pursuit go, no goes, doing Mm -hmm. research around who's done this type of project before and really comparing our portfolio. So that's also some competitive analysis. So again, that competitive analysis is usually focused around pursuit and not necessarily brand. I also want to make the point that I'm I'm not talking a lot about brand market research overall today because that is not my forte. I have partners who I who I definitely bring in whenever we're talking about true brand focused research. Most of the time people bring me in for growth, which is really centered around how do we capture something new that we haven't been able to capture or how do we capture something we haven't been able to capture in the past. So most firms, when you look at what they're doing, it's pursuit, go, no goes, competitive analysis. And then on the project delivery side of things, it's client surveys or interviews. And this is such an underutilized market research tool that firms have. Usually they're, you know, having meetings with someone during the course of a project or after the project to really find out how they did right? To say, how did we perform? Would you hire us again? What's coming up next? 
when this is really a great opportunity for primary research, primary research being that you are actively doing the research, you are not referencing someone else's research. This is where you can find out, yeah, this was our strength. So is that something that we really want to promote? Can we start being thought leaders in this way? Is this an area where we can grow our firm? This is also a great place where you can find out what is on their minds and if there is a new service that your firm can create to help them. So it's a really wonderful market research tool that I believe is really underutilized right now in firms. But I do want to point out that in August, Zwei Group released their 2021 marketing report where they outlined the most common types of market research that firms are doing. 81% are doing market intelligence. 77 are doing research that informs strategy. 53 anticipate change. So that's why they're doing research. Mm -hmm. 37% are looking at new markets and then 7% only for marketing content. Whoa. Okay. I know it's kind of eye-opening and that is a free resource on their website and we can stick a link in the notes for this. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. So in talking about market research, why should a company invest in market research and why do it now? Right now is a really important time for market research. And I'm not saying that just because I love it and it's my favorite topic, but (laughs) when you, when you think about it, it's really to gain market intelligence and we're all looking for market intelligence right now. I like to ask people the question that that challenged me just a little bit. I, I have a couple of questions I ask. Did the last year change how your firm looks at their markets and services? Did your market's behaviors surprise you for the good or the bad over the last year? And are you having difficulty recruiting? The answer is yes for every firm to those yeah. three questions. Yep. So my response to why now and why at all is we live in a world where change is a constant and information has to be your compass on how to navigate that constant. You simply cannot rely on the past anymore. The world has been disrupted fundamentally at all levels. So the past is no longer relevant. When we talk about downturns in the past, they don't look like this. So yes, you can glean some practices that worked for your firm back then, but this is simply and fundamentally different. And in order to chart a path forward, you have to have some understanding of how your firm fits into that future. So why market research and why now, I think is at at the highest levels of the firm to understand how you're going to live out your firm's vision and your firm's strategy in the coming years. I love that. So what is the risk on the other side of not doing market research? This one right now is, I think, the newest we've experienced 
Your competitors are not who you think they are anymore. And I'm going to sort of give you the information that you probably don't know about why that is. You can't see what's going on behind the scenes relative to mergers and acquisitions anymore. In the past, they were really public. They were the big mergers and acquisitions, large firms purchasing smaller firms. There was the public transition of the name and people all over LinkedIn changing their company. It was very public. Now, private equity and family offices are interested in our industry. And you don't see those transactions because firms don't change names. It's not really public and out there. They have a a bunch of cash to accelerate growth strategies and they have business people holding them accountable to do that. Okay. So what's the evidence according to Zweig, who is one of my partners and of course, a large strategy and M&A firm in the industry. As of July 1st, we had already surpassed the number of M&A transactions that we saw in 2020. Well, some people say, oh, well, that was 2020. 2020 did not slow down guys relative to mergers and acquisitions. So you're seeing a really high volume of that happening and you're not able to see it physically because it is not manifesting like it has in the past with very public M&As. So your competitive research is harder than it has been in the past because you don't know who is getting an influx of cash and who is really going to be able to accelerate some growth without really doing some social listening and some other, other strategies to hear that. That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. So then we know why to do market research. We know the risk of not doing market research. How does that actually look when you're doing market research with your clients? How do you approach that? So typically I'm brought in for the high level, the how to live out our vision, how to live out our strategy or into specific markets. So I'm going to talk about how I approach it at that level, but we're going to get into some ways that if that's not what your firm needs right now, you as marketers can really start engaging in market research to help your firm. So Again, at the beginning, I said, I like to craft the right questions in order to know what I'm going to look for and how it's going to be used, what actions or inactions need to be taken. So I use um, a growth matrix that IDEO created many years ago now. I think it was 2008 that they created this. Uh, Again, we can uh, link that in the notes as a resource. Okay. But it's, it really looks at what kind of growth are we talking about? Is it growth with existing clients and geographies and our existing services? Is it new clients and geographies with our existing services? Is it existing clients and geographies, but new services? You, you get what I'm, I'm saying. And yeah. so the questions are going to look a little bit different based on what we're talking about. So sure. In the case of just growing within your existing services and existing clients and geographies, 
you know, you don't want to lose market share here, right? That's really the goal of understanding the market when you're talking about that component. So understanding and protecting your reputation is really important. Understanding your competitors is, is critical. Understanding the market size, if it's increasing or decreasing over the next three to five years and understanding what potential disruptors are out there as well. And that's usually what I like to talk about when we are saying, listen, we're not making any major changes as it relates to what client type, what geography or service. Well, great. Then are we going to stay healthy here? And where could we trip is what I like to find out. So are we capturing our market share? How is our industry innovating its services? What's the future of it? What's the size these are questions that I typically try to answer in that research. Okay. When we move to more growth outside of that, I like to ask, and, and we're talking about new services, but with existing clients and geographies, the research isn't all that different. This is again, where those client surveys can be really great because what are adjacent services that make sense for us? What are services our clients are asking for? And what's the future of our industry that could predict what that new service could be? So you can find that out through, like I said, the client surveys, competitor analysis, understanding maybe where your competitors are and where they're not, where you could maybe fill the white space, understanding what that market size looks like, and and once again, disruptors. You could also be the disruptor by doing this and disrupt um, that market by creating new services. What do I mean by that? This is where a AV acoustics and technology firm could acquire a wayfinding firm. That sounds kind of crazy, right? But digital wayfinding is huge. Right. So that's where I ask those questions when we're really looking at new services. What are wild ones, frankly, that others aren't doing? Instead of just keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses is also a strategy. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But where could you really do something different? Sure. So then when we're talking about same services, but maybe new clients and geographies. And when I say new clients, I mean new client types, right? I always like to ask, are there potential clients who are new to buying our services? So an example there could be, as we have seen in the past, there are now some universities who are outsourcing their facilities and physical plant. So the buyer is completely new. And what's cool about that is it's typically a large company. And so you have a new client now, and that new client, frankly, has more clients (laughs) than your old client did. So, you know, so they're the new client and they could bring in more clients for you. That's just one example. Or do we need to package our existing services differently to resonate with that new client type? Do they call it something different? Okay. Yeah. And do we need a partner here? You know, is this a place where having a partner bring us in and not offering our full battery of services, a great opportunity? 
So those are some of the questions that I craft when I'm saying, hey, great, you know, same services, but new places. And when I say new places, it could be geography or client types. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. And then the last growth area, which is in this growth matrix that I talked about, they call it a a create where you're creating something really new. So that's a new service, a new geography, a new client. This is really where you look. This is where strategic planning, I think is really critical because this is fundamentally going to change your business. It's a big investment because you're looking at what are the big disruptors and how can we be the biggest one? Right. Because you're not building as much upon something that you already have. You're going to have to build a new brand. It's very exciting. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. And you like to ask the questions of really, what is the future of insert industry could be, you know, what is the future of, I used higher education just a minute ago. So let's go there. What's the future of higher education, which is of course, something a lot of people are asking right now. And what part of that is no one talking about? Does that mean we all of a sudden have strategic planning as one of our services, right? Because they're all trying to figure things out. Wow. That'd be exciting. That's just one example. There's plenty of examples. We've seen construction firms develop software that they sell to their competitors. That's a great example. Okay. So this is, this is a fun area that, you know, you've really got to have your strategic plan saying, this is where we want to grow. Right. So could you quickly summarize there were four areas of your matrix? What were those? So if you're looking at the IDO matrix itself, Mm -hmm. um, they call the existing services, existing clients and geographies manage. So that is incremental growth. Okay. If you look in the quadrant that has new services and existing clients and geographies, they call that extending. That's where you're going to extend your clients and your geographies to new services. So it's an evolution of your clients and geographies. Okay. The other quadrant that we talk about is the new clients and geographies with existing services. They call that adapting your services to new clients and geographies, okay. which is evolving your services instead right. of evolving your clients. And then the quadrant that I talked about that is create, mm-hmm. uh, they call that a revolution, <laughs> a revolution, oh, cool. okay. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is awfully fun. Perfect. Okay. That is a lot to digest. (laughs) It is. It's a lot to digest, but you know what? There are some within that to, to break them down. I asked a bunch of questions, but the highest ROI research types that hit on a lot of them are understanding the market size and the forecast of it, but you got to understand your market to interpret that. For example, You know, if I am, oh, this is one of my favorites recently. Oh yes. We are laying a lot of cable for our infrastructure, for utilities, right. For connectivity, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't impact utilities that impacts transportation because they're putting those in the right-of-ways. Okay. So when you're, you know, talking about construction, that construction's happening under the guise of transportation. 
Right. Okay. So, so when we say market sizing, so if I'm in that, I got to understand where it's going. And so where to look for my service to fit in. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you got to have somebody who understands the marketplace. If it's not you doing this research, because those are gotchas, they can come back and say, oh yes, the utility market is growing by leaps and bounds because of this, but it's really showing up in transportation. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, one of the other ones that I mentioned, that's a high ROI research type. And so many firms are doing it is the client surveys. Typically they're called satisfaction surveys, as I pointed out, but they're the buyer. What do they want? You've got Mm -hmm. their ear. How can you evolve your services? Are there new ones? Like I said, are there adjacent things? Mm -hmm. Are there partners that you're working with right now that it makes sense to team up? Right. And then I mentioned competitor analysis and why it really is important right now, but your client surveys is one of your greatest assets for competitor research because they work with them. So, you know, doing social listening and getting information direct from your clients about your competitors, that's going to help you find some common themes and what to watch for as you are navigating this new, interesting business world of uh, private equity and family office investment. Perfect. Okay. So what's the best way to get started with market research and get results quickly? Yeah. So it goes back to my definition of market research and what is the question that you need an answer to? Mm -hmm that your team needs an answer to that you guys keep asking on every single call. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've all experienced that where you're like, is this groundhog day? Right. Are we having this conversation again? (laughs) (laughs) So what is the question you have asked over and over again, or what is the thing on your marketing plan or your BD plan that doesn't seem to get traction because it needs information and start there because so many firms already have mechanisms to get the information. They just don't know how to use them. So if you step back and you say, okay, we keep asking the question of what is the future of higher education? Well, we already have surveys or interviews planned with three universities coming up. So what questions do we need to ask that aren't about project delivery? Right. And how do we bring those back to our groups? And that's about how your company's organized as well. You know, larger companies have practice teams and um, others, you know, have studios. And so you need a mechanism to bring that back and discuss it and understand what your firm is going to do with it. Awesome. Ooh, well, I'm probably going to have to listen back to this episode like five times. <laughs> There's just so much good stuff in here. I'm, my brain is just trying to, to process it all, but thank you so much. I feel like I've gotten a master course in market research in 30 minutes. 
Oh, well, thank you. Market research is such a scary topic for so many and it doesn't have to be at all. And I love to talk about market research because it built my career. Sure. It built my career and I want it to build for others. It's a wonderful way to lead. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me and joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to explain everything about market research. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And I will include any and all links in the episode show notes. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? You are welcome to visit my website, theflamingoproject.com, or just email me, Sarah with an H at theflamingoproject.com. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you learned a little something from Sarah about market research. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.